Hi, everyone. You're listening to Oh My Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Janine, a.k.a. La Wild Explorer, and I'm here today with our producer, Martha. All right, and welcome back. Martha and I have a very special guest on our show. We have Ihita, and we're so excited because Martha and I have been talking about um, some countries that Ihita is very familiar with, and she's going to talk more about it. But Ihita, please introduce yourself um, to our audience and tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Thank you both so much for having me today. Um, my name is Ihita. I'm based out of Washington, D.C., though if you're in my heart, I would be based out of anywhere else in the world just because I'm such a traveler at heart and I, I kind of feel like the world is my home and not any one destination. Uh, but I'm a travel, I'm a consultant by day and a traveler by, I like to say, nights, weekends, holidays, whenever I can um, get some time in. So I focus a lot on how to maximize travel while having a full-time job to show people that it can be done. I've been to 61 countries so far, had the pandemic not happened, I would probably be somewhere in the 70s. And a lot of that has actually been in the last five years. Um, I, I have a security clearance for work and every five years it renews. So I think it was just maybe two years ago, I had to renew it again. And they asked every country I'd been to for the last five years and there were 45. So I, I'm here to tell you that I promise it can be done. Um, I, I'm certainly proof of it. And I, I've also been in my career a while. So I have enough vacation days though honestly can it ever be enough but I'm very passionate about really experiencing the world out there through cultures and people and foods and smells um, so I'm really excited to chat with you guys about everything today especially the Middle East and North Africa region which is known as MENA um, because it is one of my favorite regions to visit. Uh, that's amazing um, that's a quite a, a large amount of countries in the last five years. And I love that you say it could be done with both, you know, balancing your regular, your nine to five and still having that wonder, wonder lusting spirit. So that's, that's really awesome. So Martha and I do this segment and um, this one where it's called, do you love it? And so I'm just going to say random things and you're just going to tell me if you, if you love it or not, you could say whatever. Good. <laughs> All right. So do you love it? Sneakers. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a walker or a hiker in my daily <laughs> life. And I am always that person whenever I go on a trip because my trips are so compact because as we talked about, I travel on vacation, not full time. So I do a lot of walking and then my feet are like, what are you doing? And why are you doing this to me? So me and sneakers have a hate, hate relationship. I need them because I do a lot when I'm traveling but I have not you don't like them. found my favorite pair. No. <laughs> you don't think they're cute. <laughs> no, not they're my not. jam. <laughs> All right. Um, weddings. Love it. Especially weddings around the world. I got to go to a Moroccan wedding while I was there. And uh, yeah, I love them. Love Gorgeous. experiencing different cultures through weddings and seeing how like families and cultures come together. I love it. Um, Korea. I think I'll love it. I haven't been yet, but I can't wait to eat my way through the country someday. Mm, adding it to the list, Rahida. Yes. Rom-coms. 
love it there's <laughs> nothing like a good rom-com tug your heart moment you just oh, need, yeah. you need that sometimes <laughs> summer love it definitely a summer baby by soul even though I'm a spring baby by birth <laughs> um west coast love it if I <clears throat> if I could restart my career I probably would start it in SoCal love it. oh we'd welcome you <laughs> and you guys need to come visit DC we do we, we need to see it again yes we were there when it was super cold and um and now would actually be well besides it being you know COVID but um now would be a good time because you just had the the cherry blossoms right Mm-hmm. I think next weekend is peak bloom. Uh, I'll be I'll be on the webcam watching it. <laughs> I mean, there's some magical DC things that we just take for granted when you live somewhere. I'm sure you can probably relate to like California things, but DC in peak bloom during cherry blossom season, like you don't even have to go to the tidal basin. There's different variants of the blossoms all over the city and neighboring states, and it's just so beautiful uh I love it okay um glitter love it but look into sustainable <laughs> brands that are eco friendly because there are those brands out there now so if you are going to indulge in glitter which glitter makes most things more wonderful look into Magical. ones that are biodegradable got it tip uh, audiobooks uh indifferent I haven't really gotten into audiobooks I love the feel of like a book where I turn the pages and like there's the romance of like maybe someone else has read it before so I'm I'm more of a book person hard hard copy book or soft copy book love it um Trader Joe's love it oh my god all of the (laughs) cookie butter please and thank you (laughs) cookie butter (laughs) Yes, I've never heard of that cookie butter. Oh my gosh, that is what I associate with Trader Joe's, along with a million other things like the cauliflower gnocchi. <laughs> there's there's just so much to explore in Trader Joe's, and the people seem really nice and happy. And who doesn't want that experience as you're grocery shopping? Okay, gonna write that down. Cookie butter, Trader Joe's. <laughs> Checking it out. <laughs> All right. Last one: neck pillows. Uh. <laughs> indifferent because I don't I travel fairly light and I don't like that I can't pack it away anywhere so I don't travel with a neck pillow oh my gosh so I saw this video about a travel hack um with neck pillows and basically you take out the neck pillow pillow part and then pack it with like extra clothes and then no one is the wiser that you have extra luggage in your neck pillow Oh, (laughs) right. That is a, yeah. Then I might consider it, you know, sorry. I also forgot the other reason why I don't love them. And maybe you have a hack for this too, is I'm slightly germaphobic with certain things on a plane. And it bothered me that most neck pillows, there's no way to wash it. So I kind of want my neck pillow to have a cover that I can wash because I'm just like, ew, this has been like pre-COVID, especially on a plane where lots of people have crossed by and I'm just going to keep putting my face on it over and over again. No, yeah, they have neck, they have pillows that they, you can take out the stuff. So, I mean, that's the one that I have is like that. It's just the, 
you know, has a cover on it. So that's why I was like, why have I never thought of just taking out the insides and packing it with like underwear? So I have extra that's room such in a my good luggage. Idea. See, this is why I love talking about travel because no matter how much you've traveled or what you've seen, there's always something new to learn and some new hack that you are not aware of. So thank you. No problem. So maybe now you'll love them. (laughs) Yeah, check back in next time. (laughs) Um, We wanted to talk to you about uh, Mina and what that means. Um, Can you kind of explain that term and because I had never heard about it until recent, until we reached out to you about coming on. Um, and I was like, and I have only seen the, like that word as a last name, Mena. So I was like, what does Mena mean? And I had to like Google it really quick. So can you tell everyone a little bit more about Mina? Yeah, of course. So I first heard the term at work. Um, and, and in parts of my consulting career, I have worked in the, in international development space. So that's why I first learned it. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because uh, it it stands for Mideastern North Africa and it truly has its own identity that's shared despite it being two different continents. So I have no idea who came up with it, but it comprises of the 18 or 20 countries, I believe that are part of Northern Africa and the Middle East that have that shared um, Gulf heritage, if you can call it that. Um, And and it includes, it goes, I think, all the way left from like Algeria, Tunisia, um, through like the traditional what Middle Eastern countries that most people know of like uh, Saudi, Jordan, Lebanon, et cetera. And it actually also comprises some countries that people might argue are Central Asian, such as Azerbaijan, Armenia, et cetera. So it's quite a large list. And I would say hands down, even though I try not to have favorites with my travel, because I feel like they're your kids. Um, There's something that I loved about every place I've been. But if I had to pick gun to head, I would say the Mideast and North Africa region is my favorite. I feel the most safe and comfortable and welcome there. That is, I love that you bring that up because I think for a lot of people, they kind of feel the opposite. And these, these are people who have n- probably never been there, right? Like, you know, they they think it's unsafe. Um, and I don't know if Morocco is considered in that region, but I know when it I- is. It, it is, is. Yep. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went there and I was going, uh, you know, by myself, everyone kept telling me, well, be careful, blah, blah, blah. There's this, there's that. And there's this and that everywhere, right? Like. I, I mean, I was fine. I was safe. Uh, nothing happened to me outside of what would happen to me anywhere else. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm an American woman and, you know, America, the United States, pardon me, um, it is not safe in comparison to a lot of countries. So um, we wanted to talk a little bit about that. Like why, I mean, you, you felt comfortable there, you felt safe. And I, I love hearing that because I feel like, especially media kind of pushes like, you know, that it is in a safe region, um, region. And, um, maybe you could t- touch more on your experience. Sure. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I never had a plan, um, for traveling. So going backwards a little, my first, I think, 
adult trip abroad was maybe Mexico. And I always joke with folks that I have to go back to Mexico to see one of the world wonders because when I went there, that wasn't on my list. I never had a plan to be a world traveler. It kind of was just something that I fell in love with as I experienced more. And that's the same for the Middle East. I didn't think that I would have a fascination with the region. I just happened, I think my first um, MENA country that I visited was Morocco. And I just loved um, kind of like how at home I felt. So my background, I, I grew up culturally Muslim. So even though I'm not super practicing, there is that cultural tie that I have to um, countries that are that have that Islamic background. So it kind of felt like home. I always say this too about traveling to Middle Eastern countries, even though we have different cultures because of our religious overlap, there's that same like, I know when someone says salam alaikum that it means like that they're greeting you and wishing you peace. And that, that there's just something that feels very welcoming and warm and homey to me. So the first time I went to Morocco, it was just kind of noticing, hey, there's other people in the world that have a culture similar to mine, even though we don't have a shared culture. Like I didn't know anyone Moroccan. Um, it was just that familiarity of like, I felt like they were treating me like my family and friends would treat others if they were visiting Bangladesh, which is where I'm from originally. And after that, the few other countries I've been to, which include everything from like Jordan and Oman that we're gonna talk about today to like Kuwait and Egypt and Lebanon and Turkey. It is, I think part of what I love about it is that you see how thankful everyone is for the tourism. Like there's so much bad press in about the Middle East. And I'm not saying everything is untrue. There's certainly areas that are danger zones, that are current war zones, active war zones. But the folks are so happy and excited to have tourists. There's there's so much to see in these in this part of the world, like civilization, many would argue, started in these areas. So there's so much to see, experience, smell, and not a lot of people go there because they're scared of what they see in the media. And it's quite the opposite in my experience. So I think a little bit of my heart also tugs because of that. Um, when I see how thankful and excited folks are, like I will, I always hear people say at the end of my trips, like my tour guides will say, be sure to share the word and let people know it's safe to come here. And I'm so glad I have the opportunity to talk to you guys about it today and that you were interested in talking about it today. I almost get like emotional because there's so many folks as I'm talking whose faces I remember that are that just like truly plead and say, let people know to come here, that it is okay and that we'll take care of them. Wow, I love that you bring that up, that, um, you know, to spread the word about your good experiences. And um, it's so true. I, like, who are you gonna believe? Someone who had, you know, just visited and came back or the media, which, we know can you know make up anything and everything's edited however it wants to be pushed out so i think it's kind of up to us as travelers we definitely have a part yeah in sharing and sharing our experiences however we can and especially um me and janine because we we made this platform for other travelers to come on and share their experiences and um, to talk about countries that maybe aren't on our 
on people's radars and to let mostly female travelers know that it's safe out there and that things are doable. Um, I know when I went to Morocco, I loved it. I feel like it is one of the most beautiful countries that I've ever been to. Just, it was just amazing to be there. Um, And my experience was a little bit different just because I had a tour guide the whole time. uh, Well, most of the time. um, And my husband was there with me. So it was easier to navigate, but it's definitely doable. Janine went there by herself, like she was saying, and she had a great experience and likewise you too. So I just feel like we need to talk more about these um, countries and really put them on people's radar because they might miss something really beautiful in, you know, just letting themselves be scared or um, just kind of trusting edited versions of places which like the past seven days, we've had a shooting every day. So I mean, the US isn't without its problems either. So um, yeah, we appreciate you for coming on, um, Ida. I'm super excited that people want to hear more about this. Whenever I've kind of gotten the reputation in my friend circles of like, oh, Hida just goes everywhere. Like she's just so living on the edge and living dangerously. And I don't actually think I've been to that many places that are like super dangerous. It's just off the beaten path. So I had a friend a few years ago um, who did travel with me, but it was one of her first times traveling. And she she definitely only wanted to go to European destinations. Like I think in her ideal world, she would have just done like France and maybe UK. Um, but I've been to those countries. So one of my rules is that I try not to go back until I've been everywhere. And uh, one, I think a few years after me and her traveled, she saw my pictures from uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia and Georgia, because I will, I will put stories. I don't post uh, feed posts on Instagram while I'm traveling, but I will post stories. And she was just like, oh my God, that's amazing. Why didn't you tell me? And I was like, you, you wouldn't have come. When, when I propose Azerbaijan or Armenia or Georgia, most people are going to say, what's there to see there? But there's so much to see everywhere in the world. And I, I don't travel to be um, controversial or bold. I just travel places where I haven't been because I I figure I'll find something, I'll learn something, I'll meet someone new, I'll eat something new that I haven't before, maybe I'll have some new smells, but it will be new. So I I chase the newness, not necessarily the controversy, even though some people might think I do. Yeah, you have to to invite Janine next time she will go anywhere new, especially for she has a birthday tradition where she goes to a new country on her birthday, um, which was, you know, COVID put a damper on it, but I'm sure it'll start back up this year. My trips are always open to everyone. People don't believe me when I say that, but I'm just like, as long as I feel like you are an adult that's financially responsible and like cares about safety, like that's the only real requirements. As long as you're not going to leave me with the tab, everyone is welcome on my trips. I think what really stops people is when I throw out destinations that maybe they're not, they're not familiar with, maybe more people are in the travel industry, but I really didn't get hooked into the travel space until Clubhouse. Um, I, I was just kind of recording my own pictures for the sake of having a scrapbook of my memories, not because I was intentionally doing it to create content. Um, so it was really just friends and friends of friends that knew about my trips and people 
generally stop because of their own hesitations, but I truly do mean it. I'm, I'm almost always willing to share my trips with whoever wants to go as long as they're not scared to take the leap. You definitely have a new travel buddy, Heatha. I'm on board. Woo-hoo. My bags are packed. <laughs> they're always halfway packed at least. <laughs> I love that. I love that you, you know, you do like to explore off the beaten path. And I, I love that. Like who wants to see the same thing over and over again? There's a comfort in it, but there's the world is wide. Like we want to explore it. And I really think all of the social media platforms are bringing together more like-minded people. Like I don't judge folks that do like to go to the same places every year. It That's not for me, but it's totally okay okay, if that is for you. So I just encourage people to try things. And then if you determine it's not for you, then go back to it. I I know a friend of a friend who loves to go to the South of France every year. That's her jam. And it's not for me every year, but it's okay. Explore as long as it fits your needs, your wants, and your desires of what you hope to get out of your time away from home. Absolutely. Martha and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Oman and Jordan. Um, That's kind of been on, it's been on my radar for a bit. And, um, you know, you don't really, you know, you'll always see people traveling to European countries, as as you mentioned, Um, you know, there's a comfort in it. And there's also a lot more flights going to those places, right? So that could also, you know, play into why not as many people go to certain countries, but um, Oman's definitely been high on my list and there's just something about it and I can't even explain. It's like calling to me. And um, I know you're familiar with Oman and Jordan. So can you give us a little a little sneak peek or any favorites or, you know, just anything you'd love to share about Oman? Of course. Yeah. Oman is one of my favorite recommendations for people because it is just such it one, it is super safe. Like of all of the Middle Eastern countries, even though I find them all to be generally safe, like Oman is a quiet little middle Mina country it's not very controversial. You won't, you, most people don't even know that it's a country because there's not a lot of mention of Oman in the news. They really keep to themselves. They're fairly peaceful. Um, so I first, I think I saw maybe, you know, Instagram's algorithms showed me someone's post from Oman and I was blown away by the photos. And I truly decided to go there based on some of these photos that I saw because it looked out of this world, which is also similar to Jordan when we get into that. But for Oman, I um, I had a few things that were like definitely on my must do list. And they included, uh, there was some stuff in the city. So I'll go through that as well. But there's um, a sinkhole, which the locals love to say. Uh, it's the Bima sinkhole, B-I-M-M-A-H sinkhole. Um, the locals say that it was created by a meteor, but it's really by the movement of like different levels of like sandstone. So if you Google it, you'll see it's it looks like an oasis in the middle of like a mountain. And it's this beautiful turquoise color, which I promise is the real color in person. Uh, 
and it's kind of they treat it as we would our national parks in the U.S. And I loved loved visiting that. So that was definitely on my list. Um, they have quite a few wadis, and the wadis are essentially how would I describe a wadi? Um, they're kind of it's like a valley. Yes, a valley would be the right word. It's wadis are valleys. So a lot of the Middle Eastern countries, as you look up tours, you'll hear in Jordan, there's Wadi Ram, in Oman, there's um, Wadi Tiwi. And what I really enjoyed about the ones in Oman, as opposed to Jordan, the Jordanian ones were more desert based. So it kind of looked like Mars, whereas the ones in Oman, it's kind of like that oasis that you read about in books as a kid. So it's like the desert and you're going through these like dry, arid regions that have lots of mountains and sand. And then you come across this oasis that literally opens up in the middle of nowhere with like streaming emerald blue water and palm trees. And it's just lush. Lush is the word that I would use. So a lot of the wadis in um, Oman have like lush greenery and water, which I had to see as many as I could. And then they have quite a few mountains that are also amazing. If you want to hike it, I didn't quite have the time for the hike. So there's um, Jabal Akdar, uh, which I recommend if you have a little bit more time, but my list included making sure I saw a few wadis and experienced it, that I went to swimming in the Bima sinkhole. Um, turtle watching was high up. On my list, there's this um, place that you can go to uh, in Ras Al-Had, where if you find the right season and timing, you can come watch in the dark and like you put on very little light. It's like red light that you can have. Um, you watch the turtles, uh, like the baby turtles hatching and going off into the ocean for the first time, or you can watch uh, the mom turtles, which are huge in real life come lay their eggs and I have videos of it which are not they were not great enough for social media but I I can still remember that moment of like watching her lay eggs and like building the sand fort around it and then going off into the water so those were some of my like big things to see in the country Oman is definitely a place where you're going to take a road trip um, so you're going to start at the city or like maybe start at the city, stay a night, which is what I did, go off into the country and then come back and see all the stuff, other things to see in the city. There's like amazing forts, which have gorgeous sunlight, sunset views and sunrise views. Um, but there's definitely more to do experience and see if you like get out into the country. All of that sounds absolutely incredible. I'm, I'm I was Googling the the sinkhole and the wadis and they look incredible. And you were right, is definitely like the um the the water is just so beautiful. And I can't right? believe I've never heard that the turtles do it there. Everyone yes. talks about the turtles in the Galapagos or mm -hmm. in like those areas, but Oh my gosh, that sounds fun. Oh my Which God, that I sounds didn't incredible. Like, you know, when I when I said I'm going to Oman, it's because I saw the pictures of the sinkhole and some of the wadis. But as you start, like, that's what I really love about kind of itinerary planning. There's just, I feel like hidden surprises everywhere that you couldn't have anticipated. I knew nothing about the turtles. 
Um, but I added that onto my list because I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to be able to see that. Where else am I going to do it? And of course, you know, we did the traditional dune bashing, which is so much fun. Make sure to do it with someone who's licensed to do that. Um, but you, it's kind of, if you've never done it, it's like a, going on a roller coaster ride, but with sand and in a vehicle. I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, you mentioned starting in the city. So for those who are interested, where would they fly into and kind of, can you give us a little bit of a rundown on how maybe they would, um, you know, arrange uh, to do either a tour or, or do you rent a car? How would you go? Yeah, so I um, actually created my itinerary from scratch. So you fly into Muscat. Muscat does have things to see. I would stay there maybe like a few nights at the end. That's what we did. Um, one of my favorite travel uh, routines is that I always end a trip if I can with a spa day or a few hours at a spa. So I like to get like in the dirt and grime and like live um, however, whatever the situation calls for during my trip. And then I end in a nice hotel and Oman is after all a Gulf country, which means it's super posh and has lots of luxury. So I would end with Muscat. I, we flew into Muscat, but we only stayed for a night. Um, and the way that I plan my itinerary. So I actually have a spreadsheet, which I'm happy to share if anyone wants it. I created a spreadsheet of every single tour company from when I went and I created a comparison chart of like what their cost was, what it included, because some of them include breakfast, some of them include dinner, some might also include lunch. So I included, I created a spreadsheet just to do like a side-by-side -side comparison of like what activities they included because it wasn't the same. And there was no one itinerary that kind of hit everything I wanted to do. So, and, and, it's kind of fair because the itineraries are planned based on what's near each other. So I happened to find this one um, tour company. Uh, I personally didn't love the tour manager, but once I actually found the tour guide, I happened to be connected to him on Facebook. I spoke directly with him and I said, hey, here's what I want to do. And he's like, okay, we'll make that happen. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> um, I didn't know that I could just create my own itinerary. And he actually quoted me, um, a fairly decent price to begin with but then I asked for a discount just to say hey here's the comparison like what what are you willing to do and I am so so glad I picked him uh I, and I will say as a solo female traveler so I was doing that trip with just me and one girlfriend we're both women of color so safety is a concern and I was just like am I really going into this country where I know nobody with just one male tour guide who's going to show us around for I forget how long we were there for probably at least a week um and I actually ended up picking him, not just the price and the itinerary, but his face was in a photo on the official Oman tourism website, like in the background. It wasn't about him. It was in like a souk, which is a marketplace. And I was like, okay, well, if he's on the Omani national website, he, he must be safe, right? And I did not regret it. This man, anyone that wants to go to Oman, I strongly recommend him, not because I get anything out of it. I have no agreement with him, but he truly one made us feel safe and comfortable but two he knew everyone in every city he's the person that if we were at a red light he would honk at someone crossing the road or some or vice versa someone crossing the road would say hi because and his name was Talal T-A-L-A-L he was just so fantastic and just knew the ins and outs we went to this mosque that was in his hometown and 
we wanted to go in it. He's like, well, it's locked, but I know where the key is. So he unlocked it for us and we had the whole place to ourselves. So he was such a fantastic connect in Oman. Like I can't think of any, it wasn't, it wasn't just a tour that I planned. It was everything that he added on that really made that Oman experience memorable. Oh my God, that sounds so awesome. I, I'm in love with Talal already. <laughs> you need a guide like that. He uh, will introduce himself with a song. He will sing his name and you will never forget it, I guess, because, you know, he gets travelers from around the world who may not know his name or how to pronounce it. So he's just this like big, goofy teddy bear who will introduce himself with a song and maybe even a dance. Um, he's awesome. It's just like, it was just the two of us in his big SUV and we we went everywhere. Like he became our pseudo photographer. He would tell us where to like pose and just, it was, he's simply the best. And, and I will also add on one of the other memorable things that we got to do that was not in my itinerary one of our meals so like I said different tour companies included a variation of combination of lunch breakfast or dinner or all three so one of the days I think it was the turtle day um, we decided to skip our meal just because we had a late lunch and then we weren't hungry enough for dinner and we also wanted to see the turtles so he said well if we skip dinner why don't we have a big lunch tomorrow and we're going to be near my sister's house so if you're open to it we can have lunch at her place and she'll make you a traditional like Omani feast and we said yes it was by far the most amazing experience like she gave a like it was truly a spread so you sit on the floor you eat with your hands and it was the biggest spread the food was delicious we met his son we met her kids we like these are not the things that you get to read about in tour books right like if you're just going to parts of Europe where it, it like these are the experiences that you get when you're open to saying to the unknown and you trust your gut and you explore places that are off the beaten path I feel like as you're telling this story I feel like I'm there with you and um I love that you got to have a home-cooked meal because we all know like nothing beats a home-cooked meal. And I'm just, I feel like I'm there. I, I love this. Ethan, this trip sounds amazing. Like I, I seriously like want to go. I wish I could just go right now. That it's so funny because your tour guide um, sounds amazing, but it sounds so familiar to how I was treated by my tour guide in um, Morocco. We met after I had like a few days in uh, Marrakesh and then we went to the desert and then we went to, um, where else did we go? I can't remember like all the cities we went to, but he took us to the desert and then to the mountains and then to the cities. And he was just like our friend and I loved that about him um he gave us we had his phone number so we would text him and we'd be like hey like let's go eat now or um are you hungry do you want to go do this and he was taking us to all the blessed like tea places and even um you know bartering for us when we wanted something I, I was like oh I like that let me buy it and he's like no it's too expensive let's go like that's too much like they're trying to rip you off I'm like really he goes yeah let's go some like, we'll find another place that is offering you a better price. Don't worry. And sure enough, we would go somewhere else and he'd be like, yeah, like, look, see, it's a, like, they were trying to like scam you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Noreen. 
he was the best so i i like that the um that it's like similar the types of i guess um guides that are there and they are they treat you like family a lot of the time yeah it's the hospitality it's hard to explain to folks that have not visited it really countries is. in the mina region right it's that warm hospital hospitable like welcome that you get where people automatically treat you like you are the most important person that that concept of the the guest is king right um that i find so common across the middle east and north africa that is unlike some other places that i've been to not that folks are mean in other parts of the world but there's this like welcoming nature um someone told me this isn't in oman or jordan uh but when i was in uh dubai one of my friends went to school with an emirati so we met up with him and as we were talking to him about like kind of like the expat division in that exists in dubai because so much of the population i think 88% or 89% of the population of dubai is expat driven and only somewhere between 11 to 14% is um, Emirati. Uh, we were talking about how there's kind of like expat locations where they live and where the locals live. And part of what he explained, he's like, it's not that we want to separate ourselves. He's like, it wouldn't make sense. So he's like, in my neighborhood, our doors are open. Um, it's kind of like that culture of like, not just asking for sugar, but the next door neighbor's kids might play in your backyard and vice versa. And they might come over for lunch or dinner without a, without needing an invitation. So the culture is so different. He was explaining, he's like, we don't segregate ourselves, he said. He's like, we just live in our own pockets because our culture may not make sense to expats that would say, why, why are you in my backyard? Why is your kid in my backyard? This is my space. And it's just, that's what I love about traveling. It's like, you have to find what feels like home to you. What what speaks to your soul? For me, I have found that's the Middle East or North Africa, but for others, it may be something else, but you never know it until you experience the cultures for yourself rather than just like hearing about it or reading about it. I love that, that you said you have to do what speaks to your soul. That's like, absolutely. I love that you said that. What would you say um, for someone for someone that's planning a trip to Oman or um, looking into it? I know that you said the Bima, um, the Wadis, and the Turtles, but is there anything else that we should definitely check out? Um, I would say they have quite a few beautiful mosques, so especially the Grand Mosque is gorgeous. That's in the main city. There's also, um, I don't remember the name right now, but there was this all-white mosque, which was stunningly beautiful and always check to see who is and isn't allowed I think one of this I was um, going to ask that <laughs> yeah so for the city tour uh Talal was, does not usually do the city tour so he um connected us to someone else in his company who does it and that specific tour guide was like oh no you like tourists aren't allowed in this mosque and I was like are you sure because I checked the website and they said you are and he was convinced that we weren't going to be allowed and we went there and we were. So always double check whether or not it's open to tourism because it is a place of worship. So some countries sometimes are not available or not all of the time, but I absolutely loved all of the mosques in Oman. 
one of them, I think the Grand Mosque, like the carpeting rivals that and like the chandeliers rival that of the ones in um, in the Emirates that are that everyone knows. So add on the mosques in the city and definitely try to do an overnight like desert safari thing because we went to, it's literally in the middle of nowhere and I think it's some of the best sleep I've gotten. We we made it to be able to watch both the sunset and the sunrise. And I can't explain the serenity that comes with just sitting on top of a sand dune and just watching the world like come to life or like settle down. Like there aren't cities in the background. It's just sand dunes as far as the eye can see. And your little, like if you go scroll back far enough through my Instagram, like you can see our little like, um, hut area that we had or tented area like off in the distance but that's it so they have like quite a few uh camps that you can go to um i i think our camp i forget what our camp was it might have been arabian oryx um or a thousand night camps but no matter which camp you go to they're all amazing and they're very like disconnected from everywhere else so you get this like it's like camping but in the desert and I strongly recommend you add that on if you're in Oman done it's added to my list I'm like just, I'm taking like some crazy notes right now <laughs> Ahita isn't it it doesn't it feel like the the sun is almost like melting away when you're in the desert because um, me and my husband did that in I guess uh the one like whatever is the desert in uh, Morocco um, area. I can't remember. I can't for the life of me remember any names, probably mom brain. Um, so dead, but um, it was nice just watching the sunset, just like a beautiful gold. Um, it was just lovely. And, but I do have some, I guess a warning for me, it was super windy. Was it windy where you were? Because in the morning I was just like the wind and the sand was just making this crazy noise on our tent. I was like, what in the world is happening out there? And I realized that it was just the, like a sandstorm maybe, or I don't know if it was just like an every night occurrence. Um, cause it's just windy in the area, but did you experience that the loud wind sound with no, the sand hitting your tent? That. No, that that was not my experience in Oman, but maybe it just wasn't the season. What I do want to warn people about is that it gets cold in the desert at night. So cold. I slept yeah. in my clothes. <laughs> Absolutely. So definitely, I mean, uh, the camps are, have like these thick blankets that kind of cocoon you to sleep, but when you're not in your bed, um, they definitely tell you, yes, pack warm, but I'm here to just triple confirm for you it does get cold and the temperatures do drop and another thing about the camps yes of course you can sleep in your little camp room and bed um they're mostly open on one side you can like zip it up or like tie it together but for us we had the whole camp to ourselves um it was off the beaten path it was one that Talal picked we didn't know it but he's like I'm recommending this not because it's the prettiest he's like it's because I know the owners so they'll take care of us so like every meal they cooked every like show they put on the conversations like oh my gosh I remember not only did we have wi-fi um because I, I told Talal wi-fi was important for me so he hotspotted us the entire trip from his phone but we had like a dance party by like blasting music from his car because it was just us 
in the middle of the night while smoking shisha in the middle of the desert. And I have no pictures of it because it's dark. And we had like a little like tiny tin lamp. That's all the lighting that we had. Like they don't, it's not a lit up place. Um, at least not our camp wasn't. But those memories, you really can't beat it. And then my friend, he was like, you should sleep under the stars. Like there's nothing like it. And I was like, nope, I've, I've been to enough deserts done this don't need it I will sleep inside the bed but my friend she did choose to sleep kind of under the stars like he just moved like the bed over out into the like sand outside um and she said it's the best sleep she's ever gotten like falling asleep literally to all of the stars that sounds so magical I oh my god we we've been so like into Oman that we totally forgot to talk about Jordan. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine because we'll I'll have you back. <laughs> oh my God. Oman sounds incredible. Are there any do's or don'ts that you would recommend to anyone planning their trip or, you know, visiting? Um, do keep an open mind and also recognize that it is a different culture. So um in in the country like while we were on our road trip not in the city uh Talal would just get us alcohol um but I think most people in the country don't drink we didn't really care to, like neither me nor my friend are huge drinkers but like for the road trip he packed a whole cooler and he had filled it with alcohol because he thought we would want it and he prepared that because <laughs> he knew that when we were out in the countryside in the different like the deserts like you guys imagine literally deserts and mountains and being in the middle of nowhere in these like oases so there's not a lot of civilization necessarily so he just prepared ahead but be aware of the culture that you are in a predominantly Muslim country so like just to make sure that you dress conservatively like no one's going to care if you don't have your head covered like it's not that type of a country but maybe not the booty shorts um and then similarly when we came back to the city we had a few days just to like unwind and kind of do all the city tour stuff. Um, there was one bar or restaurant we went to where you could drink, but um, the dance floor, there's this picture that I took that said dance floor is for couples only. So only if you were married and a couple, were you allowed to be on the dance floor because they didn't want to encourage uh, dancing between unmarried single people. So I mean, that's dangerous. Definitely. <laughs> Apparently really dangerous. So just keep in mind that like you are in the Middle East, not because they're going to, you know, be unsafe or judge you or like be hostile, but because they have their own culture and religious beliefs. So sometimes people in the city might stare at you. In the countryside, like I think they were just like, oh wow, we have humans visiting us that aren't Omani. But in the city, yeah, like some of the restaurants, um, well, at least that one restaurant did have that sign, which we took a picture of and laughed hysterically. But aside from that, I, I loved Oman. So I hope it inspires everyone to go because that's not even all of the places we went to. Like we went to lots of suits and there's just literally, I, I still have my itinerary that I can always share if anyone's interested. There's so much that we did. And like, these were the big sites, but there's so much in between, like the camel that was crossing the road that Talal stopped the car over for and was like, here, watch. And then he 
um, peeled a banana and there's a picture of me with a camel putting its head through the window into my lap for the banana because Talal was luring it in. So, you know, like there's all of the moments that happen in between that like aren't the sights, but I promise will be an amazing adventure whenever you decide to go. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of this about Oman. Um, I'm, I'm definitely on board. I'm going to message you about your itinerary and Talal's info. He sounds so awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ihita, for, you know, taking your time and telling us all these wonderful things about Oman. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> it has been truly my pleasure. I, as I said in the beginning, I, a lot of why I'm passionate about the travel in the Middle Eastern region is not just because I've had great experiences and I've loved the food, the culture, the sites, but also the people really stick with you. Like I, I hope this encourages other folks to get out there and experience maybe places that they haven't thought about going before, because I promise you they are waiting with open arms to welcome you. Absolutely. And please, please come back for Jordan. We'll, you know, we'll have a dedicated episode for Jordan because there's a lot to talk about. Yes, Jordan also is amazing. Um, one of my favorite dishes in the entire world is Munsef, so we can talk about it in the Jordan episode. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we really cannot wait until next season when we have you back. And maybe uh, after that and after that and after that. Amazing. I look forward to it. Thank you guys so much for the platform and the space. And if you or anyone else listening ever has questions on any of the countries that I've mentioned, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Ihita, where can everyone find you so they could um, message you and see all your beautiful pictures and all that? So Instagram is the only space where I have shared any of my travel. So that is definitely the best place to find it. And it is just my first name and the first letter of my last name. So it's I-H-I-T-A-K. And I will warn you guys, I've not really posted in a year because pandemic, but um, I have a lot of photos from my trips right before the pandemic that I haven't gotten to. I haven't posted Brazil and Argentina and Jamaica and Antigua. So I'm thinking about just like starting some later gram posts to like take you all through those in the coming weeks and months until I get back on the road. But I am going to Guatemala next month. So there will certainly be some content while I'm there um, live in my story. So feel free to DM me if you have any questions or tips. Amazing. Thank you again. Janine went to Guatemala. So um, we have a, I, I feel like we have a Guatemala episode and Janine definitely has a Guatemala post. Okay. I will be looking into that. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll make a list of tips for you and I'll, I'll message you. Amazing. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your Saturday. You too. Likewise. Thank you. Bye Have everyone. A great one, guys. Bye. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you everyone for listening to Oh My Travel Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Oh My Travel Podcast. You can find Martha at Martha Gets It and myself at La Wild Explorer. Make sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star review because it helps us reach more people and we really want this community to grow. And if something from this episode really resonated with you, please take a screenshot and tag us. We love hearing from our community and we'd love to reshare your thoughts from the show. 
As always, we'll see you next week.